Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. It's what you were made to be, is a winner, a, a victorious one, an overcomer. And the scripture says uh, he that's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is a precious thing that is uh, something out of God himself that he has put into every believer a measure of the God kind of faith. It's, uh, it's a, a measure of the faith he created the heavens and the earth with. It's amazing that we have some of this in us. How it functions and operates is not just all up to God. It's up to us how much we will feed it, how much we will use it, and over a prolonged period of time, that determines the overall development of it. And so that's why we have a dedicated faith class, faith school, so that day in, day out, day after day, we're now over the 500 lesson mark on our way to 1,000. And we'll see past that what the Lord says, but we set our faith to, to uh, how many understand you, you need faith to teach faith? Yes. Is that right? <laughs> you need faith to, to be able to have faith classes. And so, uh, uh, get your Bible, get something to make a note with, come into the classroom. We've saved you a seat right here. And uh, turn off everything else. Give God your full attention. Not, not a long time here for one class. Give Him your full attention and you will be quickened and strengthened. Father, all of us agree together touching this, asking for the anointing and utterance and direction and help. You know what's going on with everybody. You know where all of us are, and what we need right now, what we need to hear, what we need to do, any changes we need to make, we ask for that, that you so graciously do give. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look please in Hebrews, the third chapter again, at scripture that we've been uh, referring to for some weeks now, in a series that we're calling Overcoming unbelief. Hebrews 3.17 says, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, where your fathers tempted me, proved me, or tested me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed. What does take heed mean, class? It means be warned. Watch. 
Be cautious. Why? Brethren, talking to us, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Can the same thing happen to people today that happened to those Israelites uh, that failed to go into the promised land? Obviously. That's what he keeps saying. We see a whole chapter almost given to this in 1 Corinthians 10, where he says there are examples for us, and we're to be warned and cautioned by what happened to them. Unbelief is a danger. Unbelief is a thief. And it goes on to say, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The scripture warns, you know, in um, James, not to be a forgetful hearer, but to be a doer of the word. Because if you are a hearer, but not a doer, you wind up becoming self-deluded, self-deceived. And you would see in this also what he's talking about here, a hardening. It's dangerous to not do what you know. If you hear uh, the Word of God, you hear His instructions, you, you know, but then you decide to just put it off, put it off, procrastinate, then the Bible talks about that the conscience, which is the part of your being, of, of your heart that communes with God, that's the way you commune with God, I should say, is through your conscience. The conscience can become seared, which results in thick, unfeeling, insensitive condition. Can you see that, that that's the same idea as hardening? Hardening. And I'm just elaborating on how one becomes hardened, how you get to the place where your, your heart is hard and you are unbelieving, and you are negative, and pessimistic, and sarcastic. Well, you can trace it back to a time when you didn't do what you knew to do. You didn't walk in the light that you had. It's dangerous to ignore what you know. It's dangerous not to walk in the light that you have. And the enemy knows this. And so again and again, he knows you won't just, a, a serious Christian won't just reject the light of God's word. So what he does is if he can just get you to put it off. And if your flesh doesn't want to make a change, then that's appealing to the flesh. Okay, well, we, uh, yeah, we saw that. We heard that Sunday morning at church. And, and that sure sounds right and good. And uh, we need to get back, check on that sometime. Well, days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. And what can happen is over a period of time now, you've got a problem in your life. And you keep trying to figure out what's wrong and why it's that way. And the, the problem is you heard the answer back here but you didn't put it into practice. And now you're looking for an answer like you don't have one. <laughs> you're looking for an answer, but you already know. 
At least you did. There was a time when you knew. But the danger comes, like he said, if you're a hearer but not a doer, what happens? You can get to the place where you are deceived. You forget that you knew. Remember he talked about you're like looking in a mirror and seeing what you look like, but then you go and forget what manner of man. You forget what you saw. Or your weight class. You forget what you saw and now you're acting like, oh God, give me the answer, give me the answer, give me the answer. Now all of us have done some of this. I remember one time I was praying. <laughs> uh, Lord, you know, I need this answer. Show me this thing. I, I, we got to have uh, help on this. And, I, and we were behind and on, on this problem. And, and things this had been going too long. And, and the Lord, just, just in a moment, you know, he can show you things internally that it's even hard to explain. But in, in a moment of time, I saw myself praying, doing this, saying, God, Show me what the problem is. Lord, if you would just help me to see it. I really need this answer from you, God. If you'd just help me to see what. <laughs> and then he helped me to see. I went, oh, that? <laughs> That's been there for a long time. He said, exactly. That's what the problem is. See, I showed you that way back here, but you ignored it long enough until it's like you don't know it. You know, you can get used to, it's kind of like a stain on your curtain or something like that. I mean, if you live with it for years after a while, you don't even see it anymore. Somebody comes in, a stranger, and they go, whoa, what is that? And you go like, oh, yeah, I didn't. You, you can get used to things you should not get used to. Hmm? And you can get used to ignoring what God told you. That results in a desensitizing, in a hardness, and in an unbelief situation where it can rob you. And so that's what he's talking about here. Don't, don't, that's why he keeps saying, you notice how he just repeats it. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Said out loud, I refuse, I refuse to harden my heart. He goes on to say in verse 18, To whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see they could not enter in, didn't enter into the promised land, the blessings of God, because of unbelief. Let us therefore, this is chapter 4 verse 1, but let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now what we saw in yesterday's class is that unbelief is impatient. We saw that uh, one of the last things that the Lord through Moses told the people before he went up on the mount 40 days and nights to receive these precious, precious uh, revelations, uh, statutes and ordinances that are still just as right and perfect today as they ever were. Now, all of the blood sacrifice things that he talked about, that's been fulfilled in Christ. We don't need to offer any more sacrifice for sin. But everything else that God said about things that are right, things that are just, things that are fair, they're just as right today as they ever were. And they always will be. But after just less than six weeks... They said in, in chapter Exodus 32, they said, uh, 
We don't know what's become of this Moses, this guy that brought us out, out of Egypt. And so they're pushing Aaron, let's make us gods uh, that can, you know, uh, lead us. And then they gave the credit for all of their deliverance. Uh, they said, these be your gods, these golden calves, these be your gods that brought you out of Egypt. Uh, Moses, when he came back to plead with God, he said, oh, this people have committed a terrible terrible sin and God was very angry with them and they were at a point where it almost was over right here and and he said I will he said I'll start over with you Moses I will make of you now you know this is a revelation God can do things more than one way hmm he could have wound up now now think about though it took what four or five hundred years <laughs> For them to get from, you know, their patriarchs to this group of people that's two million strong that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage. Is he saying he'd just start over with Moses? And if it takes another 500 years, to him, that's half a day. Right? We need revelation, don't we? How to think on these things. But what we also need to know God does need people to do things, but it doesn't have to be you. If you don't want to listen, he will use somebody else. Even though you were his choice, you were his first choice, and you were his choice because he really gave us a free will, you, you or I, either one, can say we can drag our feet, we can procrastinate, we can be disrespectful. We can be unbelieving. We can harden our heart. And then come a point where we'll say, well, okay, all right. I'll use somebody else. And he will. But it doesn't have to be. Somebody said out loud, Lord, I, I don't want you to use anybody else for what you chose from me. By your grace, I will stay hooked with you. I will listen to you. I will respond to you. Amen. And if you'll work with him, even you can even make some big mistakes. But if you'll be willing to repent, repent and stay hooked, he'll use you. He'll use you. He'll add to you. He'll train you. He'll teach you. He'll forgive you. He'll correct you. He'll work with you as long as you're willing to work with him, be, being used of him. And so it, it, when they said, we don't know what's happened to this guy. We got to make us some new gods. No waiting on God. No giving him any time to do what he told him he would do. Go with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 106. Psalm 106. In this psalm, the Spirit of God through the psalmist is giving a, 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 a recap of what happened in this situation. Psalm 106 verse 7 says, Our fathers understood not your wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of your mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. See, we, we studied that case, and that's when they saw Pharaoh and his host coming. That's when they got mouthy and lippy and said, What? You brought us out here to kill us all out in the desert? And they blamed uh, Moses and they said they provoked God at the sea. God was not pleased with that. They did not have to do that. 
they could have responded a different way. They could have responded in faith. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. Now this is something you might say, well, if they doubted God like they did, how did they still get a miracle? How did they still get delivered by such a spectacular miracle as the Red Sea splitting and then closing back on their enemies? He just told you. Because he wanted you and I to still be talking about it. All these centuries later, it was his plan and will to demonstrate it. And uh, even when uh, he was very upset with them for making these golden calves and saying, these are your gods that brought you out of Egypt. Uh, Moses, and you, you see why he, why he chose Moses. Moses pled the case before them and said, oh God, don't be angry with them. Don't let your wrath wax hot. He said, uh, don't look. He said, I know they're stiff-necked. I know they are. But don't look at their stiff-necked and their rebellion right now. He said, remember your covenant with Abraham. <laughs> That's why I said, when he did come down, especially that second time, they should have kissed that man's feet. Is that right? They should have said, you. <laughs> why? Because they'd have all been gone. Now think about, you know, the Bible said, uh, also in Numbers, that the man Moses, I believe this is Numbers 12, 3 or so, the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. Now that's quite the statement. And the Lord pointed that out to me many years ago. He said, did you notice, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside, did you notice Moses was the meekest, most humble man in his generation? I thought, yeah, I, did. I saw that. He said, do you also realize he was the most used man of me in his generation? I mean, he had a re relationship uh, that nobody else had with God. He, when he rebuked his sister, you know, Miriam and Aaron, because they found fault with who he married later, uh, he said, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? He said, if a man is a prophet... I reveal myself to him in a vision or a dream. He said, Moses is not that way. I speak to him face to face like a man talks to his friend. <laughs> and they were in trouble. <laughs> and it was only by the mercy of God. And again, Moses pleading Miriam's case that she wound up getting healed. But uh, can you see that uh, he's, he's appealing to God's uh, covenant faithfulness. And he's saying, God, if you could just overlook, if you could for a moment, don't even look at them right now. I know I don't want to look at them either. <laughs> just, just don't look at how rebellious and stiff-necked they are. Remember Abraham. You liked Abraham. <laughs> Abraham liked you. He kept covenant. Remember, he obeyed you, and you said that you would bring his descendants out of bondage and into the promised land. And that's when the Bible said, God said, uh, okay, I repent of the judgment I thought would come on them. And the mercy of God and how gracious he is to keep his uh, covenant 
even when others don't. And so he demonstrated his power in spite of their unbelief. Verse 9, he rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. He led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words and they sang his praise. We studied that one. There were three days before they got to Merah. We called it the three-day revival. They all sang and got victory. But as soon as they ran out of their water supplies and watered, the waters of Merah were bitter, they, all, they lost their faith. They lost their joy. They lost their peace. They started murmuring, griping again, blaming Moses. And that's what the very next verse says. Verse 13, what does it say? They soon forgot his works. And what else? They waited not for his counsel. Can you see that? Unbelief won't wait. Unbelief won't wait. It won't wait on God. It won't wait on instruction. It won't wait on direction. It won't give him time to do what he said he's going to do and fulfill his word. It's like, no, no, no. It's been too long. We got to do something. We got to act. What are we going to do? Uh, uh, let's make some calves. Now we're laughing, but God wasn't laughing. Such stupidity, such ignorance, when all you had to do, help me out class, is what? Wait. Just wait. Moses was about to come down. I mean, he was within probably a day or hours or whatever of coming back. And that's how, that's, that's how the enemy works, especially when you get close to the realization and fulfillment of what God has for you, the enemy is going to be pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. No, you got to get out of here. You, you, you got to change. You got to get it. And you'll find people who are oppressed by wrong spirits. They find it difficult to even sit down for any length of time. They, they, they can't rest. They, they got to move. They got to pace. They got to, oh, I can't stay here. I got to leave. I got to go. Why? Where are you going? Oh, I don't know, but I just got to get out of here. That's how you miss God. That's how you forfeit blessing. But tell me about faith. Faith waits on God. Faith enters into rest. Hold your place here in Psalm 106. Well, no, excuse me. We'll just finish reading it, and then we'll go back to there. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. I want you to say it out loud. Everybody now, I'm talking to the whole class now. Say it out loud. I will not, I will not forget, his works. forget his works. Everything he's done for me. All the answered prayer. All the help. All the healing. All the deliverance. All the provision. I will not forget his works for me. And I will wait for his counsel. I will wait on him until I hear from him. I will wait on the Lord. Verse 19 says, They made a calf in Horeb, and they worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory, talking about God, 
into the similitude of an ox that eats grass. Stupid. You talk about stupidity. How do you get this stupid? Unbelief will make you dumb. Right? Unbelief. You get to yielding to that antsiness and that impatience. And you get all wrought. You get all worked up to where you're not thinking straight. And you just say, well, we got to do something. We got to do something. We got to, no, you don't got to do something. Sit down. Get quiet. Get still. And know he is God. Hmm? And uh, drugs make this so much worse. And that's one of the reasons why the enemy pushes people towards substance abuse and addiction. Because it, it makes you uh, even less controlled, even more out of control. And the, uh, some of the side effects of coming down off of some of these things is paranoia and um, this just complete lack of peace and rest. It's devilish. It's, it actually can be hellish. It, it can be a taste of hell. Don't mess with drugs. And that includes a lot of prescription drugs. A lot of things that be prescribed to you by a doctor. But you need to instead, you just need to be healed. Right? You can be healed and be delivered and get free and you don't need that. You and I, a big part of our witness is how peaceful we are. All the time. Do you believe that? Yes. That's supposed to be a big part of our witness is that God is so real to us and His Spirit is so strong in helping us all the time that even though the earth is shaking and quaking around us, we know the one that made the earth. We are at rest in Him. Can you say amen? amen. So they forgot their Savior, but we just got through saying we are not going to do that. Back in that passage in Hebrews 4 that we were reading, it says that you should not come short of his rest. Verse 3, for we which have believed, Hebrews 4, 3, we which have believed do enter into rest. Hallelujah. Verse 5, he says, and I said again, if they will enter into my rest, seeing it remains that some must enter therein. If you skip on down to verse 9, there remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. For he that's entered into his rest, he ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man should fall after the same example of unbelief. What is the good fight of faith? The good fight of faith is to overcome the temptations to fear and doubt and move too fast and get into rest. And the good fight of faith continues to stay in that rest. God is my fortress. He's my high tower. He's my safe place. I dwell under the shadow of the Most High God. Can you say amen? Say it out loud. I trust in you, Lord. I rest in you, Lord. I stay in you, waiting on you, resting in you, trusting in you. And I will always see victory. Hallelujah.
Well, that's it. Our time's up for today. There's Come Back Tomorrow. There's more to see. We'll see you soon back here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702 7390.